Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're caught up earlier today with Justin Reed, CEO of Troilus Gold, their former gold producer in Quebec. And we listen to his story about how he's going to bring this thing into production. So if you want our thoughts on the conversation, some of the topics discussed, and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time. And of course, there are training courses to help you with your own diligence. Plus, why don't you go and join a thriving community of investors sharing their ideas and thoughts uh, together in a nice, safe, friendly environment. I think you might enjoy it. So that's cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Justin, how are you doing, sir? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Not too bad. Where in the world are you? Sitting in Toronto, cold minus two, blue sky though. Uh, but during lockdown, I'm the only guy downtown. <laughs> I, I hear everyone's like selling their condos and moving out to the country. They are. They are. God, I, I'm like, so, so I'm, I'm picturing that as, you know, a whole bunch of condos which just aren't selling because no one wants to buy them. Or is there deals to be done? Uh I think there are uh, deals to be had for sure. Um, I have uh, a 19-year-old daughter, so I might have to be looking at one sooner than later. Yeah, I, I, I had that unfortunate experience earlier this year. It's not good. Um, and I've got four kids. I know what's coming. Right. Well, like we should talk about <laughs> your your company, not about my troubles. Uh, Troilus Gold. Okay. So we've been wanting to talk to you guys for a while. Um, so I appreciate you coming on. We've not spoken before or met uh, or heard the story. So I'm looking forward to this one. Um, but first, before we do, can you give us that one minute overview for people who haven't heard the story before? Sure. Troilus, 150 to $200 million market cap, well capitalized. Quebec-focused explorer developer taken a historic producing asset, 2 million ounces over 14 years, forgotten about, grabbed it, uh, reinvented it, aggressive drill program now sitting with 8.1 million ounces equivalent to PEA and, you know, 300 to $400 million in inherited and upgraded infrastructure working through the process um, towards ultimately getting back into production. Slick, you sound like you've done this before. What's your what's your story? Um, geologist by training, please don't hold that against me. Uh, BSC Regina, MSC Toronto, MBA in Chicago, um, or Evanston, just uh, Northwestern. Um, I was a, an early mining analyst for Eric Sprott and Cormark Sprott Securities and Cormark Securities. 09 took a bit of a hiatus in, uh, in Australia for a couple of years and came back and led mining at National Bank after that. And then I moved back across the street, taking Selden Gold with the team um, almost to development, uh, sold to Alex Black and Rio Alto, and then kept the team together, moving, uh, acquired Troilus and, and trying to do the same thing again. Talk to me about Troilus. So you've identified this asset. You obviously have a plan in your head, what are you trying to do? We, we identified uh, the history of Troilus, first of all. You know, um, what was Troilus when it produced? It was a low-grade bulk tonnage asset put into production in a $350 gold environment that this kind of scooted by. And 
the objective of the mine for InMet who operated wasn't necessarily to be a gold producer. They wanted the gold multiple as a global base metal and then they accomplished that. Um, as soon as the reserve was exhausted, uh, it was put on care maintenance and then eventually shut down because first quantum came in. What we identified early on was the last, it's not that InMed had done bad work, they had done no work. It was undercapitalized, it was underexplored. There was real, the operations team was given the keys and said, go get it boys. And so as an analyst, when I covered InMed, and then our team upon due diligence and over the years, and this was a lot of years in the making, we saw the opportunity to expand and that lower grade bulk tonnage deposits, obviously with Malartic and Detour and Young Davidson Underground in an appreciating environment could become very profitable. And so we, we took a chance and went all in as a team privately and, and, and got Troilus from First Quantum. Okay, so tell us what, what you inherited and what you've done in the intervening time and, and indeed you know how have you financed it yeah um so so what did we what did we inherit we inherited inherited uh two million ounces underground below the z87 pit so uh from 350 meters down to essentially 500 meters of 1.8 grams equivalent very consistent grade um 50 meters thick 1.2 kilometer strike length, very analogous to Goldex, Ignico's Goldex mine. Uh, we also, and, and probably even more importantly, uh, we inherited, well, two flooded pits um, and about 350 to $400 million in infrastructure, roads, power line, substations, fully permitted six and a half square kilometers tailings facility, which is the real value. Um, all the earthworks is done, septic, sewer, water at the camps, buildings, upgrading needed to be done, but a mining lease, a permitted tailing and some infrastructure gets you halfway there. That sounds like a whole bunch of liability to me. So how do you approach it? It is a whole bunch of liability. Uh, probably the biggest hurdling, hurdle on the deal and probably why a lot never even spent the time to look was you had, um, I think at that time it was a five and a half, six million dollar environmental bond with the government. You had massive oversight and regulation from the government, as you would expect and want. Um, and you didn't have an economic resource. So who the hell would go back in there and actually start looking at it? What we did with the help of great engineers was, was take a look at the existing resource and say, is there an economic model around this? Um, not even publicly. Internally, can we justify a valuation that with more work we think we can realize? And what are the upsides beyond that? Regional exploration, expanding the ore, whatever. And, and we came, after spending time at Goldex, um, we came to the realization that, yeah, we do think there is an economic entity here. And, you know, Fortune favors the bold. Um, are we willing as a management team and a board to take on that liability? And uh, so we came to market, the shareholders agreed with us and we did. Um, but you had to make sure you have the right people to manage that risk, which was the key. Okay, so you, but you, you raised money, I think in fe February, about 12.8, June 25 million, you recently completed a 22.1 million board deal. So you, you've had to raise 
a ton of capital. You've been able to do it, so you've clearly been able to tell the story well enough uh, to get people behind you. But they're mostly institutional, right? Uh, we are counting the management team. We're ninety percent institutional. Fifty-one global gold funds. Um, all the names you know. Right, which is unusual. You're also really well covered for a company. I say it's unusual for a, a company with your market cap. Usually, there's a ton of retail in there screaming at the CEO for doing something wrong. So um, why this heavy bent or the leaning towards institutional? Uh, I think it's as easy as that's what we know. Right. right. Um, my career and, and, and parts of the team that have worked in the markets, we were always institutional. So when I needed money, when the company needed money, we went where we knew. Um, now, we're we're making changes, we're expanding, but the treadmill at Troilus is running fast with six drills, uh, with six drills going PAs, engineering, environmental work. So we have to, uh, we obviously aren't going to slow down or stop. And um, we have to obviously expand our retail marketing. We need, that's a great opportunity for us, especially in this environment. But our goal is not to promote, our goal is to invest, and we are actively going to be a producer. And, and that's been our goal since day one. But you can have to, and you, so in the PA is some really great numbers in there, okay? What I can't, and let's talk about someone, 26,000 answers um, average production for the first 14 years. You know, the ASIC is, you know, so that sets around, you know, a thousand bucks. You got, IRRs at fourteen fifty around you know twenty three, and if you get up to nineteen fifty, it's you know it's it's well well above that. So the, the numbers on the PA, which is a plus or minus thirty percent type thing, indicatively say that you're doing or potentially have made the right call. You're looking at something which you know should should get the market excited. It's not. You're one hundred forty million market cap. Where's the disconnect? Um, I guess a couple of things. One, the retail, as you, you've picked up on. Uh, two, I think we are a lower grade bulk tonnage deposit, right? Uh, first of all, our institutional shareholders are amazing. They're there when we need them, but they don't trade, right? There's not a lot of liquidity. They buy their stock. They hold the stock. They wait till we need money and they give us more. And we have also made it very easy to get stock. Like you said, three deals last year, they just had to wait. They knew Trolls was going to come. Here comes the money. Balance sheet's fine now. Um, you know, what we are doing now is we've expanded the resource six and a half million ounces in two years. Nobody else on the planet has done that. But we are a low-grade bulk tonnage deposit. And with that, it's not sexy. And everybody's like, oh, you know, low-grade bulk tonnage, like Malartic and Detour and others. Well, we're at the PA stage. And that's, if you look at those companies who have all had tremendous success, success including Victoria Gold now, uh, what John's done there. If you go back in history and you look at the case study of Malartic or Cisco originally, um, Detour, and even uh, Victoria Gold, the lower grade bulk tonnage deposits, um, there's almost a show me. Uh, phase. So at the PEA stage where we are now, we're actually two to three times bigger than all those companies were at that stage. Now, admittedly, we're in a better gold environment, uh, which is going to make the economics look even better. But Troilus is probably a bit of a longer game.
Okay, so do you think there's also, given what you said earlier about you know you know what you know, you've gone to the institutional guys. Do you think you just are guilty of not talking to retail enough? To, you know, because it seems like a simple story. You're talking about an accelerated delivery. You've got a PEA, the SN, the all categories, eight million answers. You know, in, indicated five million. It's a big enough project for to, to flip to someone. So you clearly are intent on getting into production, right? But you're not getting that rating. Yeah, I I think it's uh, I I think it's just a matter of focusing even more on the marketing side. We spent a huge amount of time and money the last two years, two and a half years, building the team to do it. And, and that is my absolute focus, is we need the people to do it who can take the responsibility, who are bulletproof, um, the Rolls Royce of teams, if you will. And we've got them in place. And they're on a track now that the institutions have accepted. They've accepted the people. They've collaborated the hires. Um, acknowledge them and supporting them. And so our team is moving forward at a fast pace. I think now Troilus has to step back. I have to step back, take a look at the broader landscape and said, we're volatile. Um, what are we doing poorly? And I think what I'm doing poorly is retail marketing. And so looking at all the other avenues, um, communication styles, letter writers, all the various things you need to do, uh, I think we need to get the message across better. Okay, you talk about Rolls-Royce. You guys are paying yourselves quite well. Why, that's really unusual for a junior of your size and the stage that you're at to be paying yourselves that well. Why, why have you brought in these quite expensive people? Why are you paying yourselves that sort of money? I think it's a fair question. And um, obviously comp always comes under scrutiny. What I would say is, first of all, when the moment we formed the company, Jamie Horvat is our chair of our compensation committee. He was the head of AGF, Sprott, M&G, the second largest resource fund in the world. Uh, we brought in CGI consultants and we benchmarked. Um, we're the 50th percentile for everybody. Yes, we're expensive. Um, but myself, as an example, I put more money into the company uh, than the rest, uh, than any compensation I've ever taken out, as have the majority of my team. Um, second of all, I would say that environmental liability, the infrastructure that we have, we are a $150 to $200 million company that has to operate like a billion dollar company because of it. And as we're moving through the development phase, the various engineering, we still have two water treatment plants, an active mining lease and tailings facility, and we cannot make a mistake. So to deliver on time a project and to meet the scrutiny of the regulators, which we acknowledge is there, and you, ha uh, you have to have the dream team now. I can't go look to build them later. I need them from day one. Okay. Um You've mentioned Quebec, you're in Quebec, you've got financing from Quebec banks. Quebec is a very sort of proud uh, province, I think, um, but they're also pretty darned uh, tight when it comes to the environmental component. I've seen their wards, I, you know, which, which are nice, but it's more about licenses and permits for me, you know, what, what uh, problems uh, you can see further down the line if you don't get it right, uh, you know, delays things and, you know, times money and all of that kind of good stuff. So you, you're making a big deal out of it, um, it seems. 
Yeah, I uh, I think we were probably a little ahead of the curve um, when when we formed the company. You know, it's basically a group table, like a group management team at the table saying, "What are our key objectives?" And to meet production at this time. You know, it's easy to say something and then keep delaying, but to actually put the process in place now to get where we need to be, what do we have to do right? Social license is everything. If you do not have social license, you can have the best project in the world and it will never see a shovel. So luckily, ESG investing, ESG focus and management, it's the buzzword of the day, but it's real. Um, and so we put a team in place from scratch. We said, and I'm going to argue that 90% of the companies are doing 90% of the things right now. It's really about focusing it, communicating it, and documenting it in a way that's accepted by the regulators. And Quebec put in uh, a brand new program called Ecologo about a year ago. It gave us a framework or a pathway to meet our objectives. We dove in. We were an early adapter. We were the first to receive our Ecologo certification in Quebec or Canada. And yes, we won awards, sustainability award at the AEMQ, being Agnico and others. But the government acknowledges that we're doing the right things. We've been vetted, we've been inspected, and they know we work within a framework which they accept. That doesn't mean they're not gonna look at us. It just means they know when they come onto our site or we go through the various stages of permitting that what they're going to receive from us is what they're expecting. And that makes things faster. Also on the First Nation stakeholder side, you know, Troilus was lucky. We inherited an incredibly good relationship with the Mistissini Cree. Um, they're very, very commercial, but it was the first IBA ever signed in the James Bay between Inmet and Mistissini. So, you know, we signed our pre-development agreement three weeks into being a company, they were ready to go. And so we meet all the various uh, requirements and we promote Cree employment and Cree contracting. But what I like is they've, there was already a relationship with the mine and it was favorable. So it's really up to us not to screw it up. And uh, we opened an office in Mistissini, first mining company to open uh, an office um, in their community. Chief comes in the office, we talk to, he's a Maple Leaf fan in hockey, so it's, uh, it's very easy to communicate with him. But you know, the thing is, you can't take it for granted. You can have the best project in the world. We spend, our management team spends as much time on ESG as we do on the project, and we have to. Okay. Are they going to be happy when you're dumping off tons of water? Because you're going to have to empty those two pits. 30 million cubic liters. Um, but here's an example. To, to your point is we've completed an EIA on the dewatering. It's a critical path for us. We're at a PA stage company and we're already talking about, hey, we got to get these pits dry. You know, if we waited till the pre-feasibility or to the feasibility, you know, there's a year and a half or two years and you're just further down. So to your point, we put the right people in place. We completed a full environmental impact assessment. We included the First Nations from day one, all the consultations with, uh, with all of our stakeholders, including the government and the environment, culminated in us receiving our permit to dewater four or five months ago. 
We've spent money on pipes and on pumps and all the things that don't move the market. But in the spring, we're going to be in a position to start dewatering. That's a critical path for us. And, um, you know, it costs money to do, but we have social license. We have social license, and that is um, probably as important. Yeah, for sure. So PEA done. PFS, you're meeting that you'll get that done this year. Any any hurdles, restrictions, or likelihood that that may not happen? Uh, capital's fine to do it. Um, the team and the plan is in place. Well, and as you pointed out, we have over 5 million ounces been indicated, right? Um, we have six drills going on multiple fronts. Uh, we're spending a million and a half dollars on geotech work right now. We're doing tailings characterization, all parts of the engineering. We are expanding the resource and we are... Our PA right now is three quarters open pit, one quarter underground coming in at the end of the mine life. It's the low grade bulk tonnage deposit, analogous to a number of other underground operations. It's not optimal. Um, it's very economic, but I think for us is we've had such success drilling. We're finding gold at under $3 an ounce right now, which is market leading. We have a 98% hit rate in our drilling and we've added six and a half million ounces of open pit material in two and a half years. New discovery made last December called the Southwest, three kilometers from the mine. One month of drilling, 600,000 ounces at surface, almost twice the grade of the main deposit. We have three drills going on that. We've already finished 20,000 meters, more to come. What we think you're going to see, what we hope to show is a 20 year plus open pit. We can worry about the underground later or optionality in a different environment. Okay, so that, that's, uh, is that the Southwest drilling that you talk about? Or is that part of the expansion program? No, it's, a, it's all the same because the two deposits are coming together now. Majority of the drillings at the Southwest, we have two drills going there. And then we have another drill making its way towards the Southwest. And Again, it's, it's the fact that we've only been there two and a half years. We've added six and a half million ounces. We haven't had time. I would love to approach this with 20 drills and a million, uh, million meters of drilling. But I think a more focused approach uh, is, the, is the way to go, better use of capital. Right, okay, and helps accelerate the, the, the program and potentially for you may affect the CapEx number, which is currently at 330 million is, is, is not nothing. So how do you decouple the underground versus the open pit conversation when you're talking to the institutions? Yeah, the three, it's, it's not nothing, but for a 250,000 ounce producer, it's pretty good on a capital intensity basis. In fact, maybe one of the best. The inherited infrastructure, power sub uh, substation, roads, tailings, permits, etc gives you about 350 to 400 million US of inherited value. And we've invested close to $20 million in two years upgrading it. So when I say it's production ready, it's production ready, right? Um, so really, if you look at our PA, we're leasing our fleet from Komatsu. We have firm vendor quotes. Our First Nations partners are building our $25 million 400 man camp for us. That meets our IBA requirements, our stakeholder requirements, our social license, and brings our partners in, in the, uh, in the uh, territory 
onto the mine and working with us. Incredibly important. So what do we need? We need $187 million, 35, just a $187 million, 35,000 ton a day mill and plant. We need some ancillary buildings. We have $75 million in capitalized pre-strip. We have to move a waste pile on the size, side of the J4 pit. The ore body continues underneath it. It's six, seven meters high, $75 million. The success at the Southwest zone, however, that we're seeing now, if it can go from one and a half to two years to five years, well, then we don't have to worry about that pre-strip right now. So there's lots of optionality in there. But what I'm saying is if you take all of our capital items, our CapEx, the capital that we've inherited and upgraded, the fleet lease and the, uh, and the camp, you know, and add it all up, is Cote. Right? It's, it's an $850 to $900 million mine to build from scratch, but because of where we are and what we've inherited and what we've upgraded early on, we're going to be able to do it for under $400 million. Right, and that's what we could expect to see with the PFS. You're looking at 3,500 tonne per day versus, say, 5,500 tonne per day because you just want to get going. Yeah, I mean, that's the optimal use of our infrastructure. If we were... To go the way, and we have the resource to do it, if we were to go the way of uh, Malartic or Detour at you know, 55 to 60,000 tons a day, well, we're, we're now going to move from one sag mill, two ball mills, and a, to two sag mills, four ball mills, and an in, inadequate power supply. So all of that inherited infrastructure, which is garnering that return for our shareholders, um, I'm not going to say it's going to be lost, but it's going to be deferred, and there's going to be far more capital required to build it. So we're right-sizing it for what we have to return, uh, get the IRR we need. Right, okay. And you've got, okay, so you mentioned that you've got about another 20,000 meters of, of drilling coming through. Um, what's the timing on that one in terms of when can people start to see these, some of these numbers yeah, well, uh, two things. That 20,000 meters is done. Um, we've only got two holes out to the market. We drilled it October, November, December. In Canada and Quebec right now, um, there's a fairly big delay in the labs, six to eight weeks. Gotcha. And that's, wow. that's every, um, so those results are rolling in now and fast. So we are going to be very newsy in the fact we're going to have results to the market every week or two weeks um, for that southwest zone. Drills are still turning, and we are drilling 7,000 meters a month now for the foreseeable future. So I can't give you an exact total, but it's a function of infill drilling, expansion drilling, and southwest drilling, uh, making a good deposit better. Okay, so I think drill results will get the market excited, usually, especially if there's some high-grade numbers in there. But coming back to your point earlier, market isn't reacting because it's a bulk story do you think that's really the case? I'm looking at, uh, they say that you've, you've named a few players there and we've, you know, people like Equinox doing a great job on the bulk side. Is yeah. it just a case of reaching the right I, people? I, I, think, yeah, I, think it, I think it's about education to a certain extent. At the same time, um, communication, Troilus, when, it report, when the ore reported to the mill, life of mine for the 14 years it produced, 2 million ounces, 70,000 tons of gold, it reported 15% positive grade reconciliation quarter after quarter after quarter. And we put out some remarkably high grade results 
in 2018 and 2019, 12 meters of 25 grams, uh, 30 meters of five grams out of the main deposits. And what you find is that there's a huge, large, broad, low-grade halo to this deposit. There is a, a later cross-cutting associated with brittle deformation, a high-grade zone. And not only have we identified it, we've now, we can now replicate it section after section, and we can predict it section after section across the belt. So, you know, we are that circa one gram ore body. There's no doubt Troilus is what it is, but I, you will see higher grades from us and we'll bring that into the mine plan. Okay. Well, Justin, that's a nice run through. Given they've not heard the story before, um, I like the accelerated component to this. Um, and there's somewhat, well, it's, I mean, I want to say, well, just for a guy, you said it's easy to raise money. Right, you, you went and raised twenty-two million bucks in December with, without much difficulty because of the institutional component. I guess people, people you know. Do you think that's going to be the case moving forward? We're going to have to again open up to retail a little bit more than you have been. I think we're going to have to open up to retail, and you know, to say see, nothing's easy. Mining is not easy. Um, we have supportive shareholders who are there for five, six years, and and they know we are capital consumers right now. Um, is it the best money? I don't know. Um, I think we need other money. We need, we need diversification, just like a portfolio does. I think we need better diversification as shareholders. Um, the institutions are amazing. You know, we, the Quebec institutions, I consider our strategic investors. They're there till the end. Uh, we have all the major gold funds who have positive inflows right now. They're looking for leverage. We're a great name. We need to build out our retail shareholding because that really drives the stock, I think. Right. Okay. Well, like I, like I said, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on telling us a story. Been wanting to talk to you guys for a, a while now. Um, looks like things are motoring. So stay in touch. Pick up the phone. Let us know how you're getting on, okay? Thanks, Matt. Appreciate the time. Just want to make sure your viewers know. Uh, we're well cashed up. We're drilling 7,000 meters a month. We have 20,000 meters of results coming in on a daily basis now that we'll get to the market soon, all culminating in a new resource, expansion of existing zones, and a pre-feasibility towards the end of the year. Beautiful. Okay, speak to you soon. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.